Welcome to Fundamentals of Chefry. These are personal stories from my life. Um, from a chef's perspective, I try to focus on concepts such as goal setting, working, progressing toward goals, and ultimately accomplishing things. I think a big part of it, a big part of the art form of it, is deciding what to do and how to do it. So in each of these stories, either myself or some other character or person in the story is trying to do something that's weird or odd, or they're just, you know, they're struggling with something. There's something. There's always some kind of a vague connection. Now, a lot of these stories, in addition to telling them for the chef purposes, it's really nice to share them because they're therapeutic. I think some of them are funny. And in general, I would like to up my storytelling abilities. So practice makes perfect. I'm just going to knock the, knock out a certain number of stories from my life that I think are worthy of bringing to this fucking podcast. And not by accident. A lot of the times I'll tell stories on the podcast kind of, you know, impromptu. But I also want to focus on some and make sure that I get them right and get the details correct. So that's kind of what I use this, this medium for. Uh, this is the story of getting kicked out of the domes. And the domes are a co-op at UC Davis um, that I lived at when I first got here. And uh, long story short, I didn't get along with everyone as well as I thought I would. Actually, that's not even the story. I did get along with everyone. It's just that the outcome may seem a little extreme given how well I got along with other people. Because in the end, I was fucking thrown out. <laughs> and uh, so that's a very interesting thing. But some background on me is that uh, I spent some time at university right out of high school, like most people in the United States. Actually, I had a scholarship. I was an electrical engineering student. And I decided to go out of state. I was from Southern California. Went out to Alabama to a black college. Shouts out to my niggas still cooking at a black college. And shouts out to the niggas that weren't cooking at a black college. But I went to a black college. And then my senior year, uh, as I'm applying for my GRE and planning to go to graduate school, I wanted to pursue electrical engineering on the next level. Um, I went into a psychotic state. I had serious mental health issues. And I ended up uh, going to jail for a year, amongst other things. Shit, fucking bumblebees, bro. <laughs> Anyhow, Anyhow uh, because of all that, right before I came to UC Davis, I was actually living in halfway houses. And in a halfway house, everything is based off of... Uh, first of all, it's a place that you live in transition from one part of your life to the next. So a lot of people there are coming out of jail and prison. A lot of people there are coming out of like uh, recovery programs and rehabs. So it's kind of like an oddball place to live, but it's all based on responsibility. Like literally there's no judgment because everybody's a fuck up in some way, shape or form, but you just do your chores, pay rent, you leave, whatever. Why am I saying this? Because the domes are a co-op and they're very similar to a halfway house, except in addition to the rules and responsibilities, there are these cultural differences <laughs> and ultimately that's what ended up getting me. It wasn't that I didn't pay rent. It was just that I didn't fit in with these niggas. So what I want to do is go over a series of things that I observed over time that ultimately led me to become the worst domey. And uh, the first, so it's going to be split into two parts. The first part is what are the events that I observed that I thought were funny, weird, and wrong? And then the second part is what was my response to those events what did I do when I was basically in a weird situation 
And why was that enough to get me completely deleted from the domes? Okay, so let's knock these out. I think there aren't really that many of them. Right now I'm seeing seven in my notes, but it starts at three, so I guess there's only four. Oh, because I copied and pasted something else. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, there we go. It's, it's nine, so from three to nine. What is that? Six? That's seven. I think that is seven. Inclusive. Okay, number one, or number three. Skip. So when I first moved there, I was, uh, the big thing about this community is that they, uh, they're a gardening community. So there's a lot of land here. You come in, there's two people to a tiny house and each person is expected to do a certain amount of gardening as like a portion of their rent, basically. So I knew a guy who would volunteer before he even got accepted to the house. He volunteered to come do yard work with these people. And, uh, Long story short, I moved in over the summer and he was moving in in the fall. So he was still volunteering and he'd come by every once in a while, plant some tomatoes, water some plants, that type of shit. Well, he finally moves in. It's the fall. So it's a whole summer of him doing this gardening shit. And he happened to introduce me to one of his friends, Skip. <laughs> so actually we were all gardening and Skip like ran out of the bushes and gave him a hug. And then it was a nice day. Uh, anyhow, he moves in and he knocks on my door. Doom, 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 doom. And I'm like, yeah, what is it, nigga, what? And he's like, oh, my God, man, uh, you know, I'm going through it. And I'm like, man, what's the problem? Come in, sit down, chill. Now, at the time, I had this roommate who happens to be a dominatrix. But it's not an important part of the story right now. And uh, she was like, yeah, yeah, invite him in. You know, we'll give him some tea or something. Right? We invite him in. And he says, listen, man, let me just put it to you straight. I'm trying to ban Skip. I don't want this bitch at the domes at all. I don't want her anywhere near my house. You shouldn't let her in your house either. So I said, hmm. Now, keep in mind, Skip, is she a bad bitch? Hmm. You know, depending on if you like LSD or not, basically. But I thought, you know, I'm a young podcaster. I don't want to eliminate anybody. I want to include more people. So I said, how about this? How about I don't ban her? But I let you know if she's coming over to my house. I'll give you a fair warning. So you'll never walk in and Skip will be here smoking a blunt. That won't happen. <laughs> if you want to separate yourself from her. Because I'm like, man, what the fuck even happened? I thought you guys were cool. You introduced me to the bitch. So then later on, he's like, you know what? You know, you were there that day. But basically, one thing happened. And, you know, I don't like her. So I was like, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I was just trying to come up. I said, it is what it is. But one of the things is uh, my roommate jumped in. She jumped into the conversation and she said, how that? You need to be supporting this nigga more. And I'm like, really? I need to be supporting him. He's talking nonsense. He has some problem with some bitch. And instead of talking about it, he wants to ban her from the whole thing, not only from his own house, but from ours. And she said, you know, the water work started. She said, oh, my God, everybody. Listen. They almost banned me from these domes last year. And I said, huh? What does that have to do with anything? I mean, if anything, you should be on my side then. She said, no, fuck that. You know, the sadness turned into anger, as it often does. She said, fuck that shit. If they almost did that shit to me, nigga, we should let Biz do it to whichever bitch he wants, period. And I'm like, huh, now this is very odd. And I went into my own head and I started thinking about the situation. I said, mm, what's really happening right now? This nigga comes over to my house, 
He's bitch moaning, complaining about a bitch that he wants to ban. Then the roommate opens up about having trouble in the community, which I already knew about, but, you know. <laughs> and then she's saying he should ban her because she almost got banned. So I said, you know what? I'm sure this is a small deal, which it wasn't. It turned out to be a big deal. But it was one thing. I, I mentioned that the halfway house is different from the co-ops in Davis because it was the cultural thing, the culture of banning. You know, how do you view banning? And and in that moment, I was against it. But it was a two out of three vote. You know, Bez was obviously for it. And my roommate was obviously for it out of the blue. But I didn't realize that that would be the dominant viewpoint is that rather than asking questions or discussing things or having a culture of debate, banning was actually considered a proper way to solve problems in this community. Uh, and it just kept coming up again and again. Like, let's just completely eliminate somebody else's perspective. Like, really? Don't you think we should at least, I mean, where is Skip? That's my thing. Like, let's get them both in the same room, talk it out, figure out what the fuck went wrong. Maybe it was a misunderstanding. But almost everyone in the community that I ran, a, a lot of people had a surprising position on banning. Now, I mean, I later on learned about the whole social justice warrior thing. But at the time, I was just coming from a halfway house. So I didn't know any of this shit. I didn't know this is how niggas were getting down. So when I saw cancel culture right in front of my eyes for the first time, I just I didn't take it seriously. I just thought, oh, these are just two random niggas. Some guy who probably didn't get as much pussy as he hoped. And some chick that's disgruntled because of some bullshit thing that happened last year that has nothing to do with this. Who cares? They're in the minority. This is as, Ultimately, we're all students. So who gives a shit about these weird opinions? But um, there was another side of this, too, that I felt kind of vaguely peeked out, which wasn't just the culture of banning in this little incident with Skip. But it was also the culture of victimhood. Which is, I didn't realize that there is a group of people who feel as if, uh, you know, they say the customer is always right. Well, they feel like the victim's always right. And one of the things that's a little interesting about that, because I understand where it's coming from for sure, right? Obviously, if you're in a situation where, you know, there's a big person and a little person and there's a conflict and you don't know what's going, you don't, you know nothing about it, the intuition to default toward the person who is less likely to defend themselves is just a basic humanitarian gesture. But it gets a little weird at its, at its extreme when you have it as like, as we did in our community, when you have it as a status thing, where it's like a way to be respected more is not to advocate for victims in a genuine way. No, 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 no. It's to become one. It's to seek out victimhood. <laughs> To basically try to be a victim when it doesn't even make sense being a victim. Let me let me give one example of this, and this is in real life. I'm not making this up. We had a situation where um, we had, and then I'll continue on with the rest of the shit, even though this should be its own segment. We had a situation where we needed to buy a compost bin. It's a big community of 26 people. We compost. The university has requirements. You niggas can't just do it any old way. You got to do it this way. Fine. We needed to get a bin. Well, we get inspected every month or every few months, and the next inspection was coming up, and we hadn't handled the issue yet. We'd handled some other shit, but we hadn't gotten to compost. So one community member decides, hey, you know what? 
I have the expendable income. Let me just buy a compost bin. I'll keep the receipt. When the inspection people come and they say, hey, have you guys made any fucking progress, nigga? He could just slide over that compost bin with a grin and we can move on to the next fucking thing. And if even if we don't want to use that bin, he's kept the receipt so we can return it. Maybe you could do the same scheme every time they come around until we solve the problem. Well, this didn't go over very well with the dummies. These niggas saw that and turned up on him. <laughs> and I didn't, this was the first time I'd seen anything like it because, now keep in mind, it's the culture of victimhood. This is the point I'm trying to prove. And I think this is a, a good way of showing it because it's so extreme. They literally said, you know what? You are oppressing us by getting this compost bin. And he said, I don't understand. We, we all know we have the inspection coming up, right? I mean, I'm, I thought I was doing the, the community a favor. And they said, well, did you ask us, nigga? And he said, uh, no, but we hadn't gotten to it. And I just thought that it would be a nice gesture. They accused the guy of toxic masculinity for that. <laughs> when I saw that, I was like, man, this is, I mean, let's be real. There is no victim in this situation. To act as if you're somehow hurt, victimized, oppressed, because a guy solves a problem that's actually needed. It's just, it's going too far. It's obvious that it's a little bit extreme. But in that environment, that's the way shit would go down. So that's what I mean when I say the culture of victimhood is weird. But it was real at the time. I hope it doesn't exist now, but on some level, I'm sure it does, that there was this idea that everybody wanted to, as quickly as possible, prove to everyone else. Without, I mean, I wasn't involved in it, but I saw this shit happening. They wanted to prove to everyone else that they had it worse off. And it got to the point where they would stop problem solving, like in the case of the compost bin, in order to try to get somebody else to gain status by being a victim of that person. So I thought that was fucking weird. But anyhow, let's move on with the thing. So first was the skip incident where this nigga tried to ban somebody and it didn't make sense. Second, and out of that, by the way, I, I just noticed a little bit about the culture there, and that turned to, turned out to be the dominant view, that banning is okay, that victimhood is good. These weird things that just weren't true in the halfway house. So then the next thing was the work parties. Part of the deal was you'll have cheaper rent, or at least cheaper than Davis competitive prices. Cheaper rent, but you got to do yard work. And the yard work is the same work, ideally speaking, that they would have paid for gardeners to do to maintain the property. So your rent is cheaper because you're saving the organization money. This is kind of a rough agreement. Was it actually up to the T? No, but you know, that's the way that they advertised it. That's how they pitched it. So, you know, what went wrong? <laughs> well, basically these things were completely mismanaged. There would be like nine things you needed to get done. We'd get done maybe three of them. People would quit early. People wouldn't even show up for the fucking thing. Some people would be getting harassed if they didn't show up. If they showed up a minute late, other people just never showed up at all and they were given respect. There was no accountability. And to me, the worst part of it was that we valued the politics more than the productivity. Like, people were more worried about who was in charge than whether or not something even got done. And in some extreme cases, people would stop work from getting done 
just for the status points, just to be able to say, oh, yeah, well, you know what, this way or that way, like I had, I had some say in this. So actually for that one, there there is an example for that, but it's later on. But long story short, they weren't nearly as productive as I thought they'd be. There wasn't much accountability. And because of that, it really bore down on my morale because I came in thinking, hey, okay, this is an interesting business plan. This is an interesting way to live. All of us helping each other out, manage the property. What's wrong with that? But then you see niggas fucking around and stuff like that. And you're like, man, what have we actually done? Like the only thing that I actually see getting done on a regular basis is the lawn gets mowed. That's it. As far as any of the grand plans, we're not even close. So, I mean, there was some extreme... um, Oh, also, the ideology kind of got in the way here. So we already discussed a little bit that the politics of who's who, who gets to run the work party. Well, instead of doing it in a sensible way where they say, okay, who has skills in this area, let them lead. They tried to do reverse intersectionality, inverted, flipped kind of, you know, whatever your status is in the regular world, the likelihood that you'll get oppressed. Now we're going to flop that, switch this out for this one, and then you get to be in charge. It's kind of like, well, but does that person know how to pull weeds? (laughs) Like, could that person carry a wheelbarrow full of wood? (laughs) No. Then why are they the person running shit, right? Or why have they ever done it before, right? If you're going to give instructions on how to do something. So one of the things they did that I thought was very weird is the first work party, they took me and they said, nigga, you're going to be the, um, the, the cleaner. What's it called? <laughs> the power washer. You're going to be the power washer. All right. So just learn everything about the power washer. And I've said, fine, you know what? Let's just let these, let's just see how this plays out. So I started power washing, you know? I learned the machine. It's actually kind of a therapeutic thing to do anyway. Rinsing off the houses, cleaning stuff here and there. I started developing techniques. I started teaching people how to do it. I cleaned off whole things, you know, grouping up with with other people. And the final stage for me was, okay, now let's write up something so that it's an instruction, instruction manual. And let's have each person teach the next person. And then I'll just supervise. So like if I teach you how to do it and all my techniques and all that, then you try to teach the next person and I'll watch and just fill in wherever you left off. Plus we'll have the written document. So I was kind of just trying to maximize my, my productivity in the area that they assigned me. But then I started thinking, man, why am I assigned to this bullshit? Like I'm 6'2", 190 pounds. I should be moving shit. I should be doing shit that's physically demanding if I'm going to give the maximum contribution to my community. It's not that I like doing the field work and all that shit, all the field nigga shit, but it's like, if I'm going to be doing something, I'd rather be making an impact than just fucking around with this power washer, which honestly anybody could do. And within the first month, I already mastered or mastered enough, you know? So I thought, man, how are they deciding these things? Like, what is the what process is being used? And, and as soon as I started asking questions, and this is kind of a theme of the whole progression of things, that's when shit started getting bad for me. That's when people started hating. That's when people started getting upset. Hey, stay in your fucking lane. Don't worry about it. And I'm like, listen, man. So I just started doing whatever I wanted to do after a certain point. And then even then, uh, eventually I just didn't, I don't even think, actually, I think I kept doing the work parties until I finally quit the whole thing but uh 
I just thought, man, this is a, this is a situation that's backwards. Like one of the things I would ask questions on was why don't we just hire people to do this yard work? Like how much would it take? Because we're, there was some area called the back 40 that was just an insane number of acres. I don't know how many acres it was, but it's like, we're all college students doing work on the weekends every other weekend. How much work can we really get done? Maybe we've already maxed out our capacity. But as soon as I said that, they, oh, you're a fucking capitalist then. So is that what you're saying? And I'm like, well, to be honest with you, yes, I'd rather make money than be broke, nigga. But the idea that that's a good rebuttal, it's like, why not just consider the point I'm bringing forth? You know what I mean? Why is it God? Why is everything got to be so goddamn political? So anyhow, I think some other things that I, I felt were weird were uh, the fire safety inspections. There's got to be a certain amount of distance between the houses and like whatever kind of shrubbery you have. I felt like we never got that right. And I think that should have been a top priority. Like, wh why am I power washing when we're not even fire safety compliant? <laughs> and then another thing is, of, of course, the whole male versus female nonsense of, you know, there was a guy who uh, he raked some leaves that were in another near another person's property. She lived there or they did. And, uh, he got accused of toxic masculinity, you know. <laughs> what are you doing raking my leaves? That's right, as a woman, I can't do this. And he's saying, listen, I'm just doing whatever I see. That's what I'm working on. Okay. Now, if you would have cleaned your own shit up, then I wouldn't have to do it. But, you know, there was a whole lot of bullshit associated with those work parties, whether it was how they decided to assign roles or what was the priority that eventually it's like, man, the, the accountability. You're like, man, this really isn't as dope as it could be. And I don't see anyone interested in changing that. And when you try to change it, like you suggest, hey, maybe we just hire some people. Then they shit on you. So it's like, you know what? Fuck you, niggas. Okay, the next thing was the surgery. There was a chick that lived there that had like a fucked up hip or something. Something went wrong and she couldn't go upstairs anymore. Now, I don't think I've explained this enough. But these domes are the weirdest houses you can imagine, which was what made them so dope to me. But, you know, unfortunately, the culture kind of doesn't match it. Anyhow, there's it's two people to a tiny house. And the tiny house is shaped like a half dome sticking out of the earth. Okay? So one person is upstairs. They live upstairs. Their room is upstairs. The other person is downstairs. And then there's a shared kitchen and bathroom that's also downstairs. So you can imagine, yeah, something like, I, I don't even know the square footage, but, you know, maybe I'll have some pictures or something. Well, this was a dome that had two people upstairs. So both people split the upstairs thing, and then they just had a much larger living room, and their bathroom and kitchen, right, was downstairs. Well, something happened, and this girl had a fucked up something. And she said, hey, I'm about to have a surgery. She said this in a meeting, like we would meet once a week. She said, yeah, I'm about to have a, a fucking surgery. And I'm going to need, if I'm going to stay within this community, I'm going to need a downstairs room. So please, out of the kindness of your heart, please, somebody switch rooms with me so I can stay in this fucking community. You know what they did? Nothing. They just let her leave. <laughs> they said, man, we didn't even like this bitch in the first place. Let's just let her go, man. Good thing. I'm glad her hip's broken broken hip ass bitch or whatever she had i don't know what was going on with her but they they let her go and um i was cool with a roommate 
And uh, I found out, this was like toward December, toward the end of the fall, I found out from, you know, the roommate that the roommate's also leaving. She said, yeah, I'm getting the fuck out of here. And I was like, damn, why? And she said, well, you know, look how they did my roommate. This is supposed to be a community where niggas support each other. <laughs> look at how they did my own roommate. She had a surgery. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if there's anything else that would be that. That was the opportunity for them to show their true colors. And they did. Fuck these niggas, right? Now, at the same time, I was being encouraged to move out myself. When I first moved into the community, I was working on a math paper. It's called the Grand Unified Theory of Chefs. I think I have a version of it up, but I'm going to edit it soon. So don't read it right now. Actually, who knows when this is going to come out. So uh, I was working on a math paper. There was a mathematician, a math student, rather, who lived there. So I spent a lot of time going over to her house, at least for some of the, the time it was for editing this fucking paper. Now, when I moved in, she gave me the first warning. She said, hey, you know what? Um, you seem like a smart guy. You know what I'm saying? Let me be real with you. I said, oh, shit. She said, listen, there's some niggas you want to avoid in this community. She didn't say niggas, you know. But she's like, uh, <laughs> I think she's her family's from the Middle East, so she didn't say nigga. But, you know, I'm just trying to get the feel of it across. There's some niggas that you need to avoid. And I said, huh? Okay, that's cool. You know what I'm saying? No, Nobody going to do nothing to me, though. That's how I felt about it. And I said, all right, you know, I'll take, you know. And uh, it turned out there was a conflict that she had with some other chick the previous year. Well, remember the skip story. That chick ended up becoming my roommate. So now I'm like, oh, shit, man. The mathematician's dope. The roommate is pretty dope at the time. I mean, she's a dominatrix. That's something going for her. She claimed to be an anthropology student. I said, man, this is... I don't know why anybody wouldn't get along with either one of them. They're both cool. But uh, anyhow, the mathematician moved out of the community. And she said, listen, nigga, follow me. Come live with me. Come move off campus with me. And don't worry about this shit because it's about to turn up. And I said, listen, I know what I'm doing, okay? <laughs> what the fuck do I need to be afraid of? What are they going to do, put me on power washing for another couple of months? So what? What's the big deal? And she said, I'm telling you, these niggas are tricky. You might not want to smoke. I said, you know what? Let me do me, okay? I just came from a halfway house. I think I know how to move and how to shake. So, you know, I didn't take the second warning either, but, you know, out of all those things, you know, whether it was uh, seeing how people felt about victimhood and seeing how people felt about banning and seeing how they mismanaged the work parties and seeing how they fucked over what's her name surgery and, you know, the people moving out <laughs> and warning me as they moved out, I just felt like, okay, there's some signs that things could go wrong, but none of this shit affects me. Like, I haven't had a surgery. I don't really give a fuck about the work parties, you know what I'm saying? So, what, you know, I just know, hey, if something bad happened to me, these niggas might not support me. Okay, I can live with that. Because what's the likelihood that something bad will happen anyway? But then that brings me on to the next thing, which is 
because of the surgery and because niggas started moving out, I think like three or four people moved out, we had to do the applicant process. And I didn't mention this, but at the time, in this cohort, there's like 26 spaces in this community. Well, at the time, all, almost everybody was a senior the last year. So almost everybody dipped out. And then they completely refilled it with new people, myself being one of them. So none of us really know how all the bullshit works out of Todd's turn. We're just treating it like a normal apartment. But there's also a lot of like, you know, there's different committees you can join. And there's different ways of, I don't know, moving about and doing things and talking to people. There's, there's just a lot of cultural things to learn that will make you more or less influential in the community. Um, anyhow, because of all that, we had to bring new people in and it was our first time for the most, for the majority of us, it was our first time going through a process of bringing new people in, which involves looking at all the people who applied, ranking them like we're a fucking sorority and then selecting those who deserve to be one of us. Right. But since we didn't have the, the know-how, a lot of us defaulted to looking toward the older members for guidance. We we're like, okay, how does this shit work? Show us. We've never been through this shit. And uh, that turned out to be a wrong move. <laughs> a lot of these old niggas were snakes. I mean, it turned out like I already told you my roommate. They warned me against her, but I didn't realize that uh, the, some of the niggas that were involved in it were like, Jesus Christ. Like, I call this the block. But one of the things we all learned is a voting system that's specific to this co-op or to like this organization. It's called the fist to five voting system. And this voting system was just, you know, it's a way to make decisions about a number of things. But it's important to emphasize we use the same voting system if we want to buy a new garden hose or if we want a new person to join the community. <laughs> so for things and people. And uh, the way it works is instead of just raising your hand or not raising your hand as a normal system works, you're showing the degree to which you agree or disagree with whatever is being proposed. So the the fist would be. You completely disagree. It should not move forward. One and two mean, or one and two fingers mean that you disagree, but the degree to which you disagree, like how warm or cold are you? But two is the maximum that you can do if you disagree. I believe maybe three is. Let's just say two for the purposes of this discussion. Then three through five are all agreement, but you know, how much, right? Now, there's actually one more thing. The fist, the zero, also functions as a veto. <gasps> Meaning that if everyone gives a five, one person gives a zero, it does not pass. It cannot pass. There's no majority that can overrule a zero. Because the idea there is that we want to make sure that everyone in the community at least agrees with it enough for us to move forward. We don't want to have a situation where... Uh, which can happen in a normal democracy where you have 49.99% of the people who hate it. And then, you know, 51% uh, that are like, we think it's amazing. And then you, you just leave half the community completely dissatisfied. You want everyone to be reasonably satisfied, but that's, you know, I think that's the motivation behind it. And I, I don't think that's a bad motivation. However, we're bringing niggas in, right? We're trying to fill up spaces. We're basically being the landlords. And that's a big part of what it means to be in this co-op is that you take on some landlord responsibilities. 
And, uh, you know, we're college students, so you already know what happens. There's some chick that's in the uh, process. She's in the app. She's applying to get in. And there's some dude who, let's just say he has some kind of a history with this chick. She ends up making it as the top applicant. Everyone votes around. Yeah, we love her. Fours, fives. Let this bitch in. Give her a house. One nigga stands up. Um, I think that she's very problematic, so I'm going to block her. <gasps> I'm like, what the fuck is, what the fuck? Problematic. We're like, well, why is she problematic? What's the, what's the big deal? Isn't this something that can be resolved? You do realize this is housing on the line. Well, I just think that she's very problematic and, you know, that's, I'm not comfortable speaking about, uh, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, I don't want to deflect this nigga. I was like, man, what the fuck are we doing here? Are you being real? A long story short, that passed. I mean, she didn't get a house because of that. And I actually ended up running into this chick later on and telling her, you know, she said, yeah, you know, I didn't get in. I said, well, that's not 100% accurate. <laughs> that's not really how it went down. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Huh? I said, well, you know, you might have been blocked, you know, maybe. <laughs> blocked? What the fuck? Who the hell would block? I said, well, you know, nigga, you know, saying, well, man, you know, saying, well, man. Man, fuck that nigga, Sam Wellman has turned out to be a part of my life even to the present day for other reasons. If you listen to my music, go to Young Davy, listen to Sam Wellman. Anyhow, um, a nigga got blocked. And that was one of the things that I felt was a real. It really, really, in addition to all the other shit, I felt like, man, this is really a snake community seeing it in person. You know, because it's it's even worse than the surgery chick because. At least in that case, people failed to take action. Whereas in this case, somebody was actively being a snake and it worked. There was no way around it because the way the system is designed, you're not allowed to contest that type of shit. So that's just how it went down. She was blocked. That was the end of it. Um, there are other problems with the voting system too, which I, I personally think was, it's kind of fundamental to my gripes with them. But another big deal was, and it's kind of inherent with the fist to five system, is that we would see each other's votes. <laughs> at, the, at, the, at the time, I was in a psychology class, a basic psychology class, and we were going over conformity and obedience to authority. And I'm like, God damn, this is like the domes. This is it. We're like a bad, a bad psychology experiment, except we're 50 years too late. But, you know, it was what it was. I, I, it, that to me was the first real thing that struck me because unlike some of the other specifics, I felt like it was the true, it was like the operating system of the co-op itself was beginning to reveal itself as a system of bugs. And for, I'm a geeky, you know, geeky type of guy, you know what I'm saying? I'll eat some pussy, but ultimately I'm geeky. <laughs> so to me, seeing a system that has these bugs and living within it, my first response is, same as the work parties, let me suggest improvements. Let me suggest things that will work better and see how people respond to that. But also, similar to the work parties, you can get shut down really quickly if you just directly 
speak out that you have problems or, you know, you openly speak about what the problems you have uh, are. Whereas if you, if you kind of figure out another way, then I think you have a better chance of actually finding something interesting, which is what I, I believe I, I did later on in this story. But uh, there are a couple of other things that happened that are actually, uh, it, it gets a little more serious. The first one is, is very similar to the surgery. We had a situation where someone came in with a disability. So I guess they say ADA needs. And uh, what happened is very similar. Actually, they did a better job of the first half of this than they did with the surgery. We organized a meeting. And in the meeting, we just focused on getting this person a house that had a downstairs room. Now, keep in mind, you would think you might think, hey, how come you didn't give up your room in both of those cases? I was in a loft. I was upstairs. So it wouldn't have helped with the person who had the surgery and it wouldn't have helped with the person who was ADA needs. So everyone who lived upstairs pretty much had a, a not a free pass, but we were already we were already suffering from not being downstairs in the domes. So, you know, deal with it. So anyhow, they try to do something a little bit better. We hold a meeting. And uh, it turns out to be really emotional because, you know, you're asking people, hey, are you willing to move? And not move out of the community, but still, for a lot of people, moving is a big deal. Now, for me, I'm pretty minimalist. I try not to own that much shit. So moving is like, you know, a half hour deal for me. But uh, also, I was already upstairs, so it didn't really matter. And it's kind of like the people who lived in the downstairs rooms, it almost you could almost predict that they were people who had a lot of large possessions, like a couch. You can't really have a couch if you're upstairs. But if you're downstairs, why not? I mean, you could have one and have it downstairs, but, the, you know, we're getting beside the point. So anyhow, the person moved in. We had the meet, or the person, we knew the person was going to move in, so we had the meeting. And the issue got resolved in the meeting. Somebody gave up their house, their downstairs room, and moved into another house upstairs. Problem solved, right? Well, so I thought what ended up happening was I got an email later that night. Now, I happen to live in one of the few, if not only, renovated domes, which means it just got redone like two, three years ago. And um, I got an email saying, hey, you know, from the staff, they said, you guys understand that, uh, you know, you're in the renovated dome, so you know what that means. The person downstairs needs to move the fuck out for this person who has the ADA needs. And I was thinking, hmm, now this is interesting because I think we handled this meeting. We approached this whole thing way better than we did the last time. Yet, I think we also made a very major mistake here. And I think it was actually mischievous. Now, keep in mind, at the time... Most of us were new members of the community. Most of us do not have much experience with the bylaws of the community and things of that nature. We don't have long relationships with the staff. So we're thinking everyone's getting treated the same under the law. But what it turned out to be, the situation turned out to be a situation where there was some misleading, some intentional misleading, and it worked. And it was a very simple trick. So the trick was, by default, by the rules, 
whenever there's a new member who has ADA needs, the first thing that should happen is we check one dome, the downstairs room. It happens to be the dome I lived in, not the room I lived in, my roommate's room. And you see if that person also has ADA accessibility needs. In the case where the answer is no, that room becomes the room for the ADA person. And the reason is simple. A part of the renovation was changing the house so it's far easier to get around and, uh, you know, use for someone who has trouble with things like walking. So some of the examples of that are um, we had a really big shower. We had a kitchen that didn't have uh, many walls in it. We have this large sliding door for the downstairs room. These are amenities that are luxuries if you're not ADA, if you don't have special needs. But if you do have them, they might actually improve your quality of life in a significant way. So it's the difference is the difference between simply having a random downstairs room, which wasn't designed for this type of thing and doesn't have these special amenities, to the one that was designed for it. But the problem is, how many people even know about that? How many people even know about that rule? So at the time, the only people who knew about it were my roommate and the staff. And to me, that's where I saw the, the, those early warnings for the first time began to make sense to me. Because, and if they would have warned me about the guy who blocked, I think that would have made sense too when he blocked. What's her name from getting in? But here's a situation where there's actual evidence that I've seen other than people just bullshitting and talking where someone who was in power or who did know more than everyone else actively deceived the rest of the community for their own benefit, i.e. so that they wouldn't have to move. If you frame it as a situation where everyone equally has to consider giving up their home rather than saying, no, I specifically am the person in this position in the community who was obligated to do this in this situation, then you're on some sheep shit. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay. So this is what everybody was talking about when they were telling me to move out. Cool. At least now I know what it is and what it's not. And that kind of frames the next thing. Um, so remember the gardener who wanted to ban what's her name? Well, it came back to get him because he ended up getting banned. <laughs> he ends up, um, you know, inviting everybody out to a triathlon party. And uh, this was like a, a couple months back before everybody moved out. And so I guess in the early fall or mid fall. And uh, long story short, he ends up in the in the bedroom with my roommate. So uh, some months go by, you know, and uh, my roommate ends up getting elected to become the lead gardener, which is a little weird because she's not really out in the garden that often. She has grown some food, though. I think she grew a bunch of zucchini while I was there. So shouts out for that. But she wasn't really the main gardener. She's kind of like, she was pretty lazy back then. <laughs> Anyhow, you know, she becomes the main gardener. So he's like, hey, cool. I'm trying to do some extra gardening work. So uh, where should I start? Where should I start? She sends him a text back saying, oh, um, you should talk to somebody else. And, you know, him being kind of who he is, he, he replies back, oh, Sorry, I thought I was talking to the main gardener. <laughs> and she says, you know what? You're being disrespectful to women. 
which is something that a lot of people would, almost everyone would go for that argument when they ran out of stuff to say. It's like, yeah, you're being toxic. But uh, he's like, whatever. And he goes to the main gardener so he can figure out how to put in extra hours. The next day, he's packing up his shit to leave the community. <laughs> so I'm like, hey, man, what's going on? He's like, yeah, bro, I'm leaving. I said, leaving? Why? He's like, just come inside, bro. I'll go inside, and he's like, your roommate accused me of sexual assault. I said, God damn. For what? You guys just fucked or something? And he said, no, it was from those months ago from that party. I was like, from the party? That is a little odd. I said, "Uh, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to stay or are you going to go? You know, he's like, well, you know, I don't really know. I'm scared. I said, don't be scared. What's the worst? I said, listen, you should just fight your case, okay? If you've done something wrong, admit to what you've actually done. That's probably the better thing than to try to deny everything. But otherwise, just fight your case. I mean, this is not a real court of law. This is the Dome's court of law. And he said, yeah, but they put me on bad standing. And I was like, man, what the bad standing? Of, Of course, I'm new, so I don't know any of this shit. I said, give me the paperwork. He sent it to me, and I read through it. And I said, hmm, this is, I got mixed feelings about this bad standing. Because on one hand, yeah, it's called bad standing, which should tell you that it's bad. But on the other hand, as I'm reading it, I don't think it's that bad. I actually think it would be good to be on bad standing for a number of reasons. So, anyhow, one of the things that I took out of the whole thing of him being a accused of sexual assault was that there's a range of punishments. I mean, there's not really a range of punishments, but there is a range of crimes. Like, and first of all, the accusation is the evidence. Like, he's in bad standing, not because it's been shown that he has committed a sexual assault, but because he's been accused of it, which is something interesting to think about. And then the second thing is, when I read it, you automatically qualify for bad standing for that crime. But it's not a crime that you have any evidence to support. So it's it's just like an auto... If you know the system, you will know that it's just an automatic way of getting someone in, in a rough situation. But there's a category of crimes that range in severity that, that fit within sexual assault. Like it's everything from grabbing ass to violent rape. And what's interesting is, well, does it matter to anyone what actually happened? Because I think it, I think it does matter to me what actually happened because the way that I interact with someone from that point forth should be based off of what they've done, not based off of the category of crime that they've done. I can imagine a sexual assault being something that can happen without you intending for it to happen. So I can imagine that it's not even necessarily something that would make me distance myself from someone, depending on how it went down. So anyhow, the the due process, there, there, there's kind of uh, two branches of reaction in my view, and I'll go through the analysis of mine. The first is what happened, which was my initial reaction. But based off of the facial expressions that I saw, um, I realized that I would never know what happened, that n- nobody was going to actually be straight up about it. Because on one hand, if I was an accuser, 
I would want it to seem as bad as possible. And if I was, if I had just been accused, I would try to downplay it as much as possible. So there's no real incentive for anyone to be honest with me. Um, I mean, some part of the argument to me is the behavior in the in-between period that, you know, if, if, if everything was fine three days ago and now it's not now, that's completely different from being in a state of shock and hiding for the last three months and then also coming out with this. However, I, I ultimately concluded it's actually not my job to worry about exactly what happened because it doesn't do me any good in, in, in any way. The best good that it could do is show me how to react to these people, but it's never going to happen. So I should just react to the history that I have with them. And in both cases, I'm not distancing myself from either one. And I don't like either one. <laughs> not really like that. Cause back in the skip incident, they were both against me. So fuck these niggas. But anyhow, uh, so the next thing is, well, what about our organization? And I think this really gets right to the heart of it. It's that, well, the way that our organization functions, regardless of the truth of the accusation or the degree of the, the crime committed, if it was committed, the way the organization responded to it, to me, is already shocking enough because we've got a situation where there's no evidence, yet there's uh, punishment, and the only relief for that, to me, are the details of the punishment, which is that, well, it's not really a real punishment. It's just a shock value type of thing. What it actually means to be on bad standing is that it, when you finish your lease, you're not allowed to reapply to these properties for the next three years. So it's kind of a don't come back policy rather than a get out policy. So anyhow, I thought, well, if, you know, it seems like due process is unclear if it exists or it's just not that good if it exists. Um, the scare tactic, it seems to be a scare tactic based thing. The punishment doesn't seem to be that strong and there doesn't seem to be an opportunity for defense. So for me, this in combination with the voting system and, and some other things that seem to be about the software of the organization, these are the things that ultimately were the things I was the most interested in investigating and learning more about because I thought, okay, I've seen enough now to know that I can't really trust the system here. However, and this isn't too obvious, but I also think that it's not that hard to fix these problems. I, I don't think that it's, it's too difficult to improve them. So I would also like to help improve them if I can. And that's kind of the attitude I took toward the whole thing. So that's all I got for part one of, you know, the worst Domi. The dominatrix, the demon dominatrix <laughs> stories. Um, you know what I mean? From a chef's perspective, this is one person's perspective, obviously. Now, listen, I really cook, but I still got a limited perspective. So if you want to know more, you got to ask more people, but I will share as much as I am capable of. It's, it's very nice. It's therapeutic. It's very smooth. And I like practicing this shit. This is like a really good session. <laughs> so anyhow, to the chefs, keep cooking. At the end of these Fundamentals of Chefery episodes, I like to share some of my hip-hop music that's relevant to the episode. If you've been listening, 
you know there's a lot that I don't like about the domes. But one of the things I did like when I lived there were the bad bitches that lived there with me. For my whole adult life, wherever I lived, there was no fucking. For three years, I lived in a small private college in Alabama, and I got charged $100 just because I was caught trying to visit my girlfriend's dorm room. Then, for the following three years, I lived in a jail for a year and a couple of halfway houses for a year each. Good thing there was no fucking in the jail. But even the halfway houses, I was living in bunk beds with meth addicts and recovering alcoholics, so it was very hard to get pussy. When I moved into the domes, I was surrounded by beautiful, young, empowered women who were down to fuck. It was nice being around them because they exposed me to different relationship models like polyamory or open relationships. People had different sexualities and genders. Lots of lesbians and bisexual women and non-binary people who went by they. And most importantly, there was a directness around sex that came with the comfort that these women experienced so that they could actually come up to me and ask me to fuck. That was new to me. All fucking aside, I thought one of the most valuable things were the platonic relationships that I had with a lot of these women. That being said, it's also nice to randomly get my dick sucked or fuck my neighbors just because. Now, at the same time that all this was happening, I continued to make hip-hop as I'd been doing for years. Around this time, I was experimenting with simplistic beats, which I now call shitty beats, because they're the shit. But I wasn't writing real songs at the time, just bars. The song I've chosen to share with you today is a shout-out to the Dome's courting process, written on a shitty beat, or performed on a shitty beat. It's called Cookie, and I hope you enjoy. Real chef shit. Hey, chef said. Hey, chef said. Hey, chef said. Hey. Chef's it. Hey. Chef's it. Time's up, time's up. Have you had enough? Do you want to get licked? Do you want to fuck? But I'm off the love. Sober from the drug. Slow tears. Plus, I use up all my blood. Only feel the sweat drip when you make my wet tip. Physics in my gut. Mittens on thy butt. No physique. Too unique. Keep a hold on my Greek. I'm warming up the sheets till I leave. Open, but it's clean. That's my team. Tell me about your weakness. Tell me about your deep mess. Many disagree. Meals at every tea. But that's how it be when you write mo and sheep less. Real chef shit. Chef said. 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 Chef